Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we hope you're ready to talk about Final Fantasy. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Brittany. And once again, it's Rihanna Manuel. Yeah, Rihanna Manuel Pena. I'm Man sorry, Pena. it's gonna take me a it's gonna take me a couple weeks to get that that slow down. Okay. It took me a couple weeks too. That's fine. But uh, congratulations again. It's been what one month now? Two months. Two months. Two months, months on the twenty third. Yep. Man, that's awesome. Well, it glad is. to have you back. Um, we have a fun show planned for you guys today. We're going to be talking about some hands-on stuff, and as I mentioned, some Final Fantasy. Just a little bit of Final Fantasy news happened. Um, but before we get to that, thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goodair, and Punctified. And if you want to join our Patreon community, you can do so at patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames, where you can get the show ad-free and support our voices in the podcast world. We also have a couple new podcasts reviewers so we always tell, tell you guys every week we love it when you leave us a five-star review if you don't have a couple bucks to throw our way just a couple minutes of your time and it warms our cold cold heart <laughs> <laughs> when we get to read some fun stuff so Brittany, who do we got this week big shout out to bdm reviews who i admittedly ladies thought first said bdsm reviews and i was like hey, hey hey that's great should send us a, a link. real talk I thought I thought it said that too, not gonna lie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, should we be reading this? Why not? You know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Fine. But thank you so much yeah. for the kind review BDM review. We appreciate you. Yes, indeed. You now let's enter the final fantasy <sighs> power hour. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so for everybody who missed it, Brittany's very excited, though. Uh, for everybody who missed it, Final Fantasy was celebrating, Final Fantasy VII specifically, was celebrating their 25th anniversary, and they had a big old stream where Square decided to just drop a ton of news, including a look at what we have been calling episode two, which we will get to in just a second. But Brittany, Yo. I feel like I just have to pass the baton to you for you to just like, you know, Final Fantasy educate I, me. I, I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. <laughs> Do we want to start with Final Fantasy 7 or Final Fantasy 16? Your call. All Which right. one oh. came first? The final? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know how um, to answer this. I feel like Final Fantasy 7 came first. So, uh, you know, I, I think we can start with that. Alvary, I love you so much. All right, let's talk about. I never really know. Okay, I'm sorry. They're but confusing. Three. One's Final Fantasy VII, one's Final Fantasy 16. But then there was a remake, and I played that. 
That's yeah. fair. So if, when we're talking specifically about the remake, you are correct that it still came first because Final Fantasy <laughs> 16 is not out yet. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I know about video games. You do. Listen. Yes, you do. You do. You do. This is like me trying to talk Apex with you. Like, you know, I just smile <laughs> and nod and be like, yeah, that's, I love that character. Anyway. Okay. So let's talk about Final Fantasy 7. So this all comes from IGN and there was a whole bunch of stuff that's like come out about Final Fantasy 7, but we will just talk about it. I think this was last Thursday. Was that the showcase? Because I feel like it was the yes. day after we recorded. All right. First piece of news, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two comes out next winter. Now, I'll just say, I had very low expectations for the Square Enix showcase. I thought, you know, we'd see a little something-something from Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, aka Rebirth, but uh, like a, maybe a screenshot, a logo. No, we got footage and we got like a release window. We'll see if that actually is, sticks the landing here. But anyway, so Square Enix has revealed the first trailer for a Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, and it is officially called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Kingdom Hearts territory, ladies and gentlemen, is just starting. Weird naming conventions begin. Revealed during Square Enix's 25th anniversary event for the original Final Fantasy VII, the second part in the company's planned multi-part release series, multi-part series, excuse me, will release next win winter in 2023. I almost said next Wednesday. Rebirth appears to divert dramatically from the plot of Final Fantasy VII, where it was left off in Remake, in keeping with the ways in which Remake already indicated the sequence of events might not be the same as fans of the original Remember. So in the trailer, we got to see a lot of Crisis Core Zack Fair, for instance, who was supposed to have died at the original Crisis Core, but was set up for an appearance during Remake. Okay, so that's like the first piece of news, is we have Final Fantasy VII Remake, the one that we played, which replayed, you have Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and we have a release date for next winter. There were some interviews that came out that said thanks to a new, oh, I don't know how they called it, development, development, way of developing, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, the development schedule, it sounds like they were able to get this, this bad boy out. Um, and then the other piece of news is Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion has been announced for this winter, but before I talk about that, Andrea is showing some footage at youtube.com slash what's good games of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So the shtick with this game, I I feel like we've been getting so many mixed signals from Square Enix. On one hand, it's like, yeah, we're going to stick to kind of like the main narrative, but we're going to do things a little differently. And then in the other, you get this trailer, which I feel like just sets the whole series up for a big what the fuck is going to happen. And what I thought was really interesting as well is the, let me get him, Tetsuya Nomura, obviously director of Final Fantasy VII Remake, who is the creative director on Rebirth, said this about Rebirth. He said, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is being designed so that people can enjoy this game, whether they know the original game or not. In fact, new players might even enjoy starting, starting their Final Fantasy VII journey with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Cloud and his friends embark on a new journey in this game, and I believe that the scenes they witness after leaving Midgar will give players a fresh new experience. Now, I think that's incredibly interesting because obviously, like Andrea played the first game. Reed, did you finish the first one remake? I didn't. I didn't finish it. I got okay. about I want to say like 25, 30 hours in. Okay. So that's, that's a decent amount. I'd say that's probably like half. Okay. I guess it depends on how much exploring you did. I fell in love with that game. It was my game of the year. Yeah. In a complete surprise for me as somebody who has never really been engaged by Final Fantasy as a franchise. I just loved what they did with the combat. I loved what they did with the exploration and 
the hair animation, you guys. <laughs> can I just talk about how good they animated the hair in that game? Anyway, I could go on, but I've been very excited about what's happening for the sequel. Not having played the original, I know that, and Brittany will probably get to this, that people seem to be having these theories about how they're going to change the story, you know, going forward. Yeah. And so because Nomura said, you know, he f- feels like Rebirth could be a really great starting point for new players. You know, if I think about it, that makes a lot of sense. I think what the first Final Fantasy remake did uh, is it just kind of set the foundation for obviously new fans and fans like myself, you know, who have played the original and was really looking forward to seeing how Square, what Square did with that remake. But if you think about it, all it really did was just kind of set the foundation of if you're a returning player, like, okay, so we're definitely going off the beaten path with this. But if you're a new player, it just kind of, it's just an intro to a three part series now. And so I think the real meat and potatoes of where the narrative is going to go is going to take place in this second game. I mean, that's really where I think the story really, really shines in Final Fantasy VII is essentially what happens after you leave Midgar to, you know, the death of a very important character. And, you know, everyone knows what that death is, so I'm not, like, trying to spoil anything, ruin anyone's day, don't get mad at me. Um... But as we're watching that footage, you know, you, you are seeing Cloud and, and Sephiroth rock, walking around. And that is the uh, Nibelheim scene. I'm not going to get too in the weeds here because, bless my co-host's heart, they, you know, haven't <laughs> spent the time with Final Fantasy that I have. The, all you need to know is, like, the shit that we're seeing, it's definitely setting up for, like, where the hell are they going with this? Like, where where are they going to take this story? And uh, I think the fact that we're seeing a lot of Zack is is very exciting. And this also leads into the other announcement that Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion has been announced for this winter. Holy shit. Like, I think a lot of us were expecting, you know, there's the rumors whatnot. I thought we were all getting like a remaster of it. But oh no, we're getting a full-fledged remake. So this, again, comes from IGN. And their write-up is, this game is really real with Zack in all of his glory. So it's coming to Xbox Series X and S, PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC sometime this winter. Now, this game is a prequel to the original Final Fantasy VII, released for the PSP in 2008 in the West. (laughs) The the game gained unexpected new relevance when Final Fantasy VII Remake seemed to include a shot-for-shot remake of Crisis Core ending, but drastically changed its outcome, seemingly setting up for a prequel protagonist, Zack Fair, for an appearance in the main games. Now, I never played Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII or whatever the fuck it was actually. Yeah, I think it was Crisis Core Final Fantasy, whatever. That I, again, we're getting to the Kingdom Hearts level of naming conventions here. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't keep up. But what's really exciting about this too is that this is again, like the write-up said, this is a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Um, during our Final Fantasy VII remake spoiler cast, and God, that was 2020 with um, Steimer and Andrea. You know, I really got got to go into the weeds of of the spoilers of that game and what. Cloud's identity is and what he's dealing with and why certain things are such a big deal in uh, the in Final Fantasy Remake Part 1. Um, and this game dives into that whole story. It tells that whole story. I at least know that much. And so I'm really excited because I have not played this before. And so this is going to be a fun new way for me to experience this game. Otherwise, I really was contemplating like busting out the PSP and, and playing it on that. Um, but no, I mean, I think this is just really great news. Obviously, it feels like the majority of my gaming life, everyone's been pining for Final Fantasy VII, a remake or like a retelling or something. And now I feel like we have so many Final Fantasy VII games are just coming out the ass. And it's lovely. It, 
I think that it's smart of Square Enix to utilize the money that they dumped into creating this remaster, the world, the engine, the tools for the combat, all of that. Like, why not? If you've got the content, the audience is there. Clearly, Final Fantasy VII Remake did incredibly well for them and has had a huge fan base for a long time. So, I mean, yeah. I just, as a, as a new person to the franchise, I'm just lost. I have no <laughs> idea what the heck's going on, what Crisis Core is, what, like, Rebirth is. I think that Square has always had a marketing problem. We poke fun at this a lot. You mentioned Kingdom Hearts, obviously also Square Enix. Um, I think that they sometimes forget that for consumers who aren't deeply ingrained in the franchise that it can be really daunting and really confusing. Mm -hmm. And it might be why they have struggled previously with some of their more Japanese-focused titles here in the West with people who want to play but maybe don't know what to do. And now that we've really lost a lot of that in-person retail component that places like a GameStop or a Best Buy or even potentially like a Walmart and Target would have provided some contacts, maybe somebody in that department being like, oh, I can explain it to you. Let me help you, which really doesn't exist with the rise of digital distribution and how people are mostly buying their games online. It's I don't know how that's going to affect them, if it will. No, it's very possible that everyone else is just so much smarter than me. And it's like, <laughs> this is so easy. Why don't you get it? Um, good for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a lot of people out there like me who are now interested, who got into the franchise because of Remake, that are like, I don't know what to do or what to buy. <laughs> I'm with you. I really wish they would have just called it Remake Part 2 and, like, yeah. kept it there. I mean, if you look at the logo of Rebirth, you know, there's the meteor that comes in between, like, the Final Fantasy and then, you know, the logo, right? And if you look, there's some red towards the bottom of the logo. And if you look at the way Rebirth comes across the screen, it's very reminiscent of a certain character's certain something. Um, but again, like, that's for people who are in the weeds, right? And then, and you look at that yeah. and you're like, cool, but even I'm, like, Rebirth, like, all I can think of is, like, a placenta. You know what I mean? Like, I can't fucking, like... I can't. That's the afterbirth. I know, but that's what I'm... Like, Rebirth, afterbirth, whatever. Who fuck? It's all the same. Um, but seriously, I, I, I'm not a really fan of this either. But then when it comes to Crisis Core, Final Fantasy Seven reunion again. I go to reunion theory, which is like a really big thing in Final Fantasy Seven, and something you'll learn about probably in the next game. But again, I'm like, okay, which one is rebirth? Which one is reunion? What the hell is the third one going to be called? Like redemption? I don't know. Revenge? I don't know if any other are words out there. Let's go. But um, revolution, revolution, revelation, reenergize, restart, reset, reset. I don't know. Ridiculous? Who could say? <laughs> Ridiculousness. Seven remake ridiculous. <laughs> I dare you, Square Enix. Uh, do it. Anyway, it's just I'm just really happy to see Square Enix pumping these games out. I mean, as long as the quality stays out there, like, let's go. I mean, we have Rebirth. Uh, I already forgot the, the Reunion. And then we have Final Fantasy 16, which we'll talk about here in a second. And, you know, this just feels like maybe Square Enix has, you know, their priority straight. They have their, their shit under their feet and they're able to put out quality games in a timely manner. Because I think about Final Fantasy 15, that came out 2016, 2015. That was a long ass time ago. You know what I mean? It was a while. Yeah. And now we have these other games just coming out within the end of next year. So exciting stuff. Um, yeah. I, I mean, not much else to say about it. But So, Brittany, go. I have a question for you. Yeah. 
of all of the Final Fantasies, and we're going to talk about 16 in a second, but why do you think 7 is the one that they're choosing to really go all in on, revamping it, remaking it, and like retelling these stories and even changing some of the narrative? You know, I when Final Fantasy 7 first came out, I was never the biggest fan of it. I didn't actually play Final Fantasy 7 from start to finish until maybe 2015 ish um because i needed a new treadmill game i'm like all right i need to play this game i need to figure out what the hype is and going back on it i don't know what the final fantasies were like really leading up to that because again like i never played those (laughs) i really started my final fantasy journey with seven and i did play the original one like back in the day and i just recently played i think it was final fantasy 4 on my 3ds maybe in the last like five years or so something like that If I had to take a guess, I would say it was probably because it was one of the first Final Fantasies that really pushed maybe like the limits of the technology. You know, it's like that funny poly, that funny meme that goes around of like, oh, the video game girls are so hot. And it's like Samus and like on an SNES or something. And like Lara Croft's (laughs) like tits, like super like pointy. Um, But maybe like looking at Cloud and Barrett and Tifa on PS1 graphics, maybe that was part of it. I mean, I'd be really curious to know if someone who who really fell in love with this series at seven, if they could let us know. But for me, like, yeah, it just never really it never really you know did it for me. I think it was Cloud was just not a very likable character. Um, this the futuristic city landscape for me like Midgar. Eh. That's why when Final Fantasy IX came around, which was more medieval in, in that Renaissance area era, that's when I really got hooked. So you know I don't really have an answer for Yuri, but like that's just my personal experience. Is just from what I've heard, everyone thought Cloud was kind of like this cool badass. You know, you have Bear, a fucking badass with a uh, with a gun with an arm for an arm. You know, <laughs> maybe it was like that macho shit back in the day. You know, yeah, yeah. pissing all over anything marking your territory. Woof, woof. Lovely alpha male. I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. Um, do you want to theorize about why it's now a three-part trilogy, or is it just obvious that it's just a lot of game and they didn't want to cram it all into one? I, well, I mean, the first game was three discs, right? And I and, and while they're not, I don't know if they're following the discs because again, when I played this, I didn't have to actually change discs. But I, I, I had to take a guess. It's probably that I believe the disc two generally ends where again, like, Aerith situation happens, and then shit really hits the fan. But I'm not going to go into too many story spoilers. Um, but if I had to take a guess, I think the way they're going to retell the story is just going to fit better into three parts. And I think there will be more of, like, a beginning, a middle, and an end for each part. Kind of like how the first one is like, okay, here's a conclusion, but we're definitely leaving you on a cliffhanger. And I think the second one will probably end the same way, where they're going to be more or less standalone experiences, but definitely will tie into the overarching uh, a narrative. That's just my guess. We'll see what they do. Maybe it's just all, all about right. money, Andrea. Who could say? Money and time constraints. Uh, it's almost as if Square Enix needs some money yeah. to fund some projects that they have in Web3 since they sold some studios. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we won't go down that road. Anywho, we're excited to play. I know I am. So we will obviously keep you guys posted when we get more details. But there was also... More Final Fantasy news in the stream. Oh, man. We got a lot of Final (laughs) Fantasy news. Yeah, so today, which is Wednesday the 22nd, a whole bunch of interviews with producer Naoki Yoshida, producer of Final Fantasy 16, has gone live. And we've learned a lot of new information about Final Fantasy 16. Which is like, okay, let's just tackle it all out. Just pile pile all the Final Fantasies on me. Like, let's go. I can handle it. Not really. I'm sleep deprived. (laughs) Send help. Um, Okay. So we did get the new trailer, 
recently. I feel like it was a couple of weeks ago, right? At the state of state of play, was it? No, it was the, sh- the PlayStation show. I can't show it. I can't fucking remember. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We got Final <laughs> Fantasy footage at some point. So anyway, here are my biggest takeaways. I've read a lot of the interviews from GameSpot and from IGN, and um, there's just some good tidbits of info in there. So I guess like the number one thing a lot of people are talking about is like, yo, it's not going to be open world. And instead, Yoshida says Final Fantasy 16 will focus on area based design in a manner that sounds similar to Pokemon Legends Arceus. <laughs> but while Final Fantasy won't be a traditional open, that was not a grunt pleasure, by the way. While Final Fantasy won't be a traditional open world game in itself, Yoshida does say that it will take a lot of inspiration from AAA open world RPGs, though he doesn't name any specifics. And he says, to bring a story that feels like it spans an entire globe and beyond, we decided to avoid an open world design that limits us to a single open world space and instead focus on an independent area-based game design that can give players a better feel of a truly global scale. Now, I know I grunted and discussed earlier that's just because I'm a salty-ass bitch when it comes to Arceus, but I think this is a great design choice when it comes to Final Fantasy 16. I personally love Final Fantasy 15. That was an open world. I know a lot of folks weren't the biggest fans of that. Um, and hey, like, you know, you do you. We all have our opinions. You know, it's fine. Uh, but I... What I love about this is if this sounds like this is in favor of a more detailed, more detailed, um, I guess, areas is what you want to call them. Realms is what they are, because we know there's going to be six different realms and you can like read all about them if you want to. But I feel like, you know, doing an open world is just it was the hotness for a while. And maybe this is just me and my little echo chamber, a.k.a. talking to Andrea all the time, you know, new moms. But I just feel like we ain't got time for that. Yeah, we don't. We don't have time for that shit. Fuck, it's so fun. I'm sweaty, buddy. I've had shots of whiskey. It is hot up in this bitch, but I'm powering through. Um, but we don't have time for it. Like you said, we don't. And I would rather have like much more like carefully constructed little sandboxes to play in rather than a big, barren open world that just feels de- feels void of life. I'm looking at you, Breath of the Wild. You know, so I think that's okay. Like I think that's fine. I don't think the reaction to this is negative. I think it's mostly positive. But you know, it is one of those things. That's kind of like, oh, interesting that you're not going open world. Cool. Next one. Clive will fight alongside others. This is just mostly a little fun little tidbit of info because in all the trailers we've seen, Clive is the main character, by the way. We haven't seen him fight alongside anyone, and that's really surprising. Uh, but speaking or listening to Yoshida, he did say that it's because they didn't want to basically like give us too much info for our peon brains. And so it's like, we're just going to like show a little bit of Clive combat. But of course, he will be accompanied by one or more companions for most of his journey. They will participate in battle as well as trade banter with Clive. That said, the party members will be AI driven as to allow players to focus solely on controlling Clive. Um, you know, if you've played Final Fantasy VII Remake, if you've played Final Fantasy XV, I'm not sure if that's the level of AI that he's talking about, where like your your party members will fight independently of you and you can switch to them if you want to, you know, pull off some combo or like if you desperately need to heal and AI is like sucking ass and they're not healing you. <laughs> um, but either way, like I love the idea of banter to me, like that's what. I love about Final Fantasy XV's open worlds. As I was wandering around, you got to hear the banner be- between characters. But as long as it happens, I don't care how it happens. So not a huge surprise here, but nonetheless, it's nice to have it confirmed. Oh, this one. Icon. There, it looks like Akon, like the musician, but it's Icon. So it's spelled E-I-K-O-N. We'll fucking fight each other. Now, this was very exciting to me. So Icons are th- of summons. Now, every Final Fantasy game... I think everyone has a summon. They're called Guardian Forces in Final Fantasy VIII. They're called Adalons in Final Fantasy IX. Aeons in Final Fantasy X. Astrals in Final Fantasy XV. Apparently in this one, they're now called Icons. You do you, Square. I'm not going to judge you. 
And just to interject for a second, it took me forever to figure out what the heck a summons was. <laughs> when I first started playing JRPGs, everyone kept talking about summons. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what a summons is. Um, And so for people out there, I feel you. If you are like me and you're like, I don't know what the heck a summons is. These are the summons. It's basically a super ability where you can call in a giant AI companion to fight for you. Yeah. So you have Shiva, Ifri, Rama, Leviathan, essentially these big you almost think of them like as god type beings that you can summon. Only certain people can summon them. Shiva is ice, Ifri is fire, Rama, lightning, Leviathan, water. So it's, you know. Are you taking notes, Rihanna? I'm mentally <laughs> noting all of these, yes. <laughs> I've, I've used Ifri in Final Fantasy VII or something similar, at least. There you go. Big ass fire a, dude. Yeah, exactly. You're a fucking pro now. Look at you. Yeah. You're like the guru of Final Fantasy. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so what's really cool about this is that these icons will fight each other. And I thought this was really interesting because Yoshida said, icons appear in different situations and iterations. There's no one design concept that covers them all. Some will face Clive as fierce enemies. Some will be friends and come to Clive's aid. There will also be times where the player will control an icon in real time battling other icons. The battle type and skill are fluid. Basically, and then he says, these varied types of fights can be action-oriented battles. Um, or to, oh, no, where my quote go? Oh, is it not in here? Oh, well, there's one in here about wrestling. Okay, well, I'll just wing it. But he said that it's essentially going to... like It's a continuation of what I was reading. But essentially, the battles could be like a first-person shooter-type arena or like a professional wrestling match. And I just think that's okay. the fucking wildest hmm. shit ever. You tell me, I can have Shiva and Lafayette and like fucking mud wrestling in the middle of the world. Like, I'm all for that. Let's go. But I don't think we've ever seen the summons. I don't know if we've ever been able to control them. At least I never have been. So I think that's a really interesting new mechanic. And it says that he did say here, it's one of the main selling points of Final Fantasy 16. Mm. Again, like, I'm nerding now. If you haven't played these games, you're probably like, what's the big fucking deal? It is a big fucking deal. I'm telling you, Susan. So piss off. All right. <laughs> next one. Yeah, Susan. <laughs> No offense to any Susan's out there listening. I love you. I'm sure you're a lovely human. Oh, and here's the other really exciting thing. Maybe confirmed banging. Okay, so producer Naoki Yoshida also had this to say about the maturity of Final Fantasy 16 to GameSpot. He said, this time to make sure that we could tell the story that we wanted it to in the way we wanted to, we decided to pursue a mature rating in most of the regions that will be releasing the game. Uh, but again, this is not because we basically, he says, it's not necessarily we want to make it more violent or explicit. I fucking love this. I don't know about you ladies, but I one of my biggest pet peeves is when you're playing a game and it's just, a, and the narrative's so good, but they're so afraid to take it to that next level because they know if they do, they're going to get an M rating on it. And then they're like, ah, oh, shit, there goes like how many percentage of our audience. I don't know what the, what the scoop is. But I don't feel like an M rating is as restrictive as it once was because it feels like once again, because of the digital interface that a lot of people are buying games, there isn't that point where someone's asking you to take out your ID so that they can check what year you were born when you buy a video game. Mm. And I know that seems weird to even say out loud, but that's like what something that happens in retail, right? Like they're mandated to enforce that. And when you buy games online, it's like age gates on trailers. They're just for show. They, they mean nothing. Yeah, usually it's tied to your, your payment account, right? So if something's a Peggy 18 or M for ES, ESRB rating, like most of the people buying the game will just have an account that has a card that is 18 or older and it won't slow them down at all. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Either way, let's do it. Let's tackle that mature content and let's like go more banging. Only in some areas. Only some some places. Some places nude. Only banging in some places. Yeah. Right. It said in some of the areas. You're allowed to have those more mature themes and that more mature content. Oh, so maybe yeah, it'll yeah, be like yeah, a safe yeah. zone, like a kid-friendly zone. Well, if you, hmm. yeah, I guess like fade to a black. I don't know. All I know is in my <laughs> zone, I want to see the doinky doinky. You know what I mean? Yeah. No uh, curtain oh. flowing in the wind the for you. Doinky doinky. I've never heard that euphemism before. You know, I just made it up. I like it. Doinky. I like it. Let's uh, let's make it a thing. Let's make it happen. Doinky here. doinky. Let's go. Let's all doinky doink. It's great. Um, a few more other tidbits. The game will be quote a complete experience at launch, and there are currently no plans for other supporting content. This is such a relief. I don't know if you ladies remember a little game called Final Fantasy 15, which had like four. Su- oh yes. Oh man, it had like four supportive post-launch DLC episodes. It was like that, like dramatically changed the story. Dude, oh my god! <laughs> like, yeah, episode prompto, glad. Like it was, it was ridiculous. There is then a prequel movie that came out, and then there was three or four additional DLCs uh, that were scheduled to release but got canceled because I think Square finally threw their arms in the air. They're like, "Fuck it! Like let's just let's just write this one. <laughs> like, like call it a wash." They're like, "We can't keep." paying for this development the burn rate's too exactly. high Cancel. oh man and i love final fantasy 15 so put your your torches away I, I loved that game so much alexa and i had many fun conversations about it so i think it's really funny that they made sure to get this little piece of info in there like don't worry like you're gonna get a complete game at launch don't worry about fucking dlc 10 years post launch anyway and finally players will follow the life of clive through three stages his teens his 20s and his 30s now, again, this is just a Brit thing. I fucking love time skips in games. Like, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things. I think of Breath of Fire. I think of Ocarina of Time. I just think of, oh, there's another one. I, that was the tip of my tongue. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I love Final Fantasy 15. Another great time skip. Oh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Fantastic time. I love that shit. So I love that we're following Clive through his youth into his, probably his troubled adulthood because what would a Final Fantasy nine or Final Fantasy game be without angst? So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like the TLDR is I I I would say I'm cautiously optimistic for this game, but I'm all in. I'm all fucking in. I my hype level is is there. It, it's I can't avoid it. I can't diminish it. I'm setting myself for absolute failure, but I don't fucking care. Every time I see this game and I watch the trailers for, you know, like the latest trailer we just saw, I see something new. I get even more pumped for it. And I feel like Square, hopefully, is learning what they learned from Final Fantasy XV, applying it to this. And so far, it looks like they are. And I think we, we're really, like, setting ourselves up for something really special here. It's kind of like when we talked about Diablo last week. You know, everyone tries to do Diablo, but, like, no one does <laughs> Diablo like Diablo. Same with Final Fantasy. Granted, there's so many JRPGs out there, but there's just something homey and cozy about Final Fantasy that just can never be replicated unless it is done by by Square. And so, yeah, like, I, I, I'm, I'm setting myself up for heartbreak, but I don't care. I'm just very thrilled and very excited for Final Fantasy 16. Hopefully we get it next year and it doesn't get pushed. But it sounds like, for the most part, development is very, very far along. It's just kind of coming down to polish. I know they need to still record some voice lines. But, um, yeah. Ah, Exciting. um, And I also was multitasking. And I Googled why was Final Fantasy 7 so popular because Rhea was bothering me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just curious. It's it's the one I've heard the most about, for sure. Not just because it was remade. You're absolutely right. And you know what? My opinion doesn't mean shit when it comes to history. So here's what this person said, and it was the most upvoted comment. So 3D graphics for the role-playing game was 
like a big deal. The amount of FMG and CG and the quality of them for the time period, an identical protagonist, a black party member, there was a death of a party member, the use of bad language, weird situations, emotions <laughs> with language. a player, really cool gameplay mechanic with materia, minigames, chocobo raising, racing, and snowboarding. So mm. there you go. Sounds like Lots they did a lot of really cool innovative things. Yeah, for the time. And that makes Very sense. Cool. Yeah. Ah, there you go. I feel like I just took a huge All shit. Right. That was great. I feel like we need to get you a cigarette or something. <laughs> this water ain't cutting it. I'm sweaty, otherwise I take some more of that whiskey. But Water, certainly a healthier choice. Um, all right, well, we do have just a couple other quick news items that are not about Final Fantasy 7 or 16. Um, PlayStation is reportedly skipping Gamescom in 2022. That, of course, is the summer. Just, uh, what, two months away now is when Gamescom is kicking off. Opening Night Live has been confirmed for a little bit now. Um, this is not surprising. It feels like after we got a chance to talk to some publishers at Summer Game Fest Playdays that... The general vibe I was getting is that people aren't quite ready to get back into the convention circuit and that it feels like 2023 would be the first year that I think people are ready to come back in earnest. And maybe it is that some of these publishers and platform holders don't come back in the way that they were in the scene previously at all. Maybe they completely change how much they're spending and what they're showing, which is what I'm fully expecting to see. But um, Sony won't be there I still am a little surprised that Gamescom is coming back like fully this year because for people who aren't familiar or don't know, Gamescom is a behemoth of a show. It's routinely over 200,000 attendees. Oh, and because of COVID, of oh. course, and this global pandemic that we've been in, it's been shut down and it's been digital. And I've been very grateful to be part of the Indie Arena booth. Ree and I got to host a Diversity Showcase the last two years on the live stream, which has been awesome. Um, but I don't know if I would I don't okay I do know I would not be okay with going to Gamescom this year yeah. with the way that COVID seems to be kind of rearing its ugly head and these waves we're currently in the middle of a wave here in the United States I haven't checked with where Europe is at right now it just seems like it's not we're just not ready yet that you know vaccinations just aren't where they would like to be according to the infectious disease experts and the more stories I read about how dangerous reinfection can be, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, are we ever going to escape this? Are we ever going to be able to conglomerate in big groups ever again? Uh, oh, I mean, I don't know, man. Adding to that, like the dev cycle is irreparably changed forever. Like people going home and working remotely to create games will never look like it did pre-pandemic, pre-COVID. And spinning up a vertical slice of a game for a bunch of people to play and test and potentially break live on stage is really hard. And as you said, really expensive. And it takes a lot of resources away from coming back from all of delays that everybody's already trying to overcome. And it, there is really no future where it looks like it did before. And obviously demos and trials will come back eventually, but studios and dev teams are still trying to work their way back to zero. Like they're still trying to get back onto their schedules and meet these calendars that they set five, 10 years ago in some cases. And it's going to take a couple more years before we see any sort of leveling out or return to normalcy. So I'm very surprised if anybody makes it happen. It's an absolute miracle because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard to come back from like just figuring out how to have meetings every week and, and moving straight to let's put a demo in front of 20,000 people, man. Yeah. Or 200,000, you know. 
Well, it, potato pile, I really right? hope that it's um, safe. <laughs> like that's the biggest thing. Two hundred thousand is I a mean, terrifying no, number of gatherers. <laughs> I I don't think we need to like belabor the fact that it's going to be unsafe. Pax East already demonstrated mm. that. No matter how safe you are, no matter how many safety precautions you take, that there's always going to be somebody at risk. I mean, and I know that that's just life. And even before COVID-19, these cons were always a hotbed of infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. Like Pax Plague was a real thing, right? Um, even before COVID. So um, I just hope that people, you know, do what they can to stay safe. Wear a mask, you know, yeah. wear gloves, wash your hands, all that jazz. Do have fun. Do go live your life. But, you know, be safe and be cautious of the, of the other people around you if you are planning on going. And I do appreciate that Gamescom as a entity is also doing a digital event. They're making it into hybrids because they still want to obviously reach that global audience. And I'm still excited to see opening night live. I think Jeff has been doing some really interesting things with that stream for the last couple of years. And it obviously is a big stream leading into the holiday season. So we'll be watching and keeping an eye on it. Um, some other, in case you missed it, if you need an Xbox controller and spot one in the wild, you should maybe consider buying it because Microsoft has confirmed that Xbox controller shortages are happening across the globe, which is so <laughs> sad to hear because they just put out that really cool video with all the new options that they're doing for their customization for their controller uh, lab. It's too hot. Um, too many I, people want it. I, I had to throw this in here right. because someone once saved my ass with the Nintendo Switch for my dad. So a couple of years ago, I got my dad a Switch and I was putting it off, putting it off. And then someone in some podcast I was listening to was like, hey, guess what? People are reporting Switch shortages. So if you want to get one, you should. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I went to Target, got one. And then it was the next week that you just like could not get them anymore. So Susan, I know I gave you some shit earlier, but if you're still <laughs> listening and you need that controller, pick it up, baby girl. Don't live with regrets. Get that controller. Never know. Buy the controllers now. If it's before not you fucking toilet paper, it's controllers. I can't keep up in this world. <laughs> You know? Supply chain woes are real. Dude. And now we can't get tampons oh. in the United States. There's apparently a tampon shortage I didn't know about, that about to happen or we're in the midst of. I know. Uh, yeah. I just like read about this. It's like, oh, yeah. Add it to the formula, oh, the no. baby formula issue. I can't get flea medicine for my dog. That's another thing I can't get now. It's sold out uh -huh. everywhere. I don't know what causes that, but hey. Did we just get like too used to being able to get whatever we wanted yeah. and now the 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 <laughs> manufacturing world is like, hey everybody, stop buying so much shit. <laughs> yeah. Go use a leaf. Be happy with the things that are currently in your house and stop buying shit. <laughs> That's really hard to do. So says the woman who got some fridge organizers delivered from Amazon today. Don't at me, okay? Can you send me the link because I need some? <laughs> yes, I need, my beverages need to have their own bins, okay? It's just so nice and satisfying when they roll out and you pull in, you know? Exactly. My fridge can quickly become chaos, and that makes my mind chaos, and then I become chaos, <laughs> and nobody wants Here that. <laughs> and I just chaos. wanted to throw this last little story in because it makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Would you like to uh, – is there something that you would like to share with the group? It's about I mean, chaos. Maybe. It's like chaos. We're here to kill chaos. Remember, Alexa? Oh, chaos likes my pants. Yes. It's just <laughs> chaos. Andrea is chaos. Holy shit. <laughs> Oh my God! It's chaos. chaos. <laughs> nice pants. Chaos. Oh God. Losing our mind. That's all. I need oh to get that goodness. out. You may continue with the show, Andrea. Apologies. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I want to give a big shout out to uh, oh. one the hashtag yes longtime supporter of What's Good Games. Wow, I'm so happy for you. Finally, 
After a decade of waiting, <laughs> Dragon's Dogma oh. 2 is finally announced. You got it, Brandy. <laughs> you got it. Why they didn't do this during one of the press conferences, including Capcom's own showcase, I do not no. know. Instead, what they did is they announced it during a 10-year anniversary live stream. Yeah. And I think a 10-year anniversary live stream would have been a great place to talk more about the development of the game, why it's taken 10 years, have like a developer diary type of thing. But the razzle-dazzle, splashy logo moment should have happened during their showcase or during opening night live. Or excuse me, during the Summer Games Fest stream. Yeah. Like, why not? Oh, I have a dog here in my nose. I don't get it. I totally agree. And now with you. I feel like this I feel like the story just got lost oh. um last week, especially in the wake of all the Final Fantasy news <laughs> that happened on the same day. Sorry, Dragon I know. Everyone was talking Final Fantasy. Um but um wow, I'm so happy for you. Um he's a big fan of this game and when I worked at Machinima when Dragon's Dogma originally came out, there was a big contingent of Dragon's Dogma fans, this RPG that this group of guys that I worked with was just obsessed with it. They were just like, it's so good. Everyone needs to play it. And I actually, at the time, never ended up playing it because I was like, I ain't got time for RPGs. Because <laughs> um, I was playing Halo or something. Halo, <laughs> Halo 4. That was what was out then. Um, but anyway, I want to go back and play it. I know that they did a remaster. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it's great that they're finally working on it. Yeah. Congrats. I to, it's on the Switch. And I played maybe like 10 hours or so back in the day because I wanted to experience what I was experiencing. And it was fun. I just, I don't know what happened. I got distracted with something. But good job, Wow. Now I need my moment. I got my Resident Evil 2 remake. Now I need my Earthbound. <sighs> I need my Ocarina of Time remake. Let's make it happen. So I can have my moment like Wow did. <clears throat> we will keep our fingers crossed for you, Brittany. Hey, Ree, what's your moment? Uh, Jade Empire. Okay. That's right. Without a doubt. Okay. Okay. That's it. Remade. Yeah, remade no. authentically, maybe with a little bit more... Something. Representation in the yeah. creator side. But, you know, absolutely. Jade Empire is one of my favorite Bioware games of all time. Got it. Andrew, what's yours? You know, I was just thinking about this. I was like, do I have one? I don't know if I have like a like a legacy game because I don't know if I, we've ever like deeply talked about the fact that I had this gap in my video mm -hmm. game playing life where when I graduated high school, went to college, I brought my N64 with me, not to date myself, <laughs> um, but all I really did was play Mario 64, even though that's when like, I had my PS2 with my GTA Vice City save. Um, but that's when everybody was playing Halo on the original Xbox and doing Halo land parties. And I just like, I just stopped playing video games in college. Hmm. Just like did not have time, had internships and was working, was going to school. And then when I wasn't doing in those things, I was like at parties, like a lot yeah. of college kids were, um, or traveling or whatnot. And I just like, I just stopped playing games in earnest. Like I played a little bit from here, here and there, but I wasn't like buying the new thing, reading about the new thing. And it wasn't until I graduated and moved to Los Angeles to, to pursue my on-camera career that I started getting back into games with the Xbox 360 and the Wii of all mm. consoles. It's and a good console. that's when I yeah, it was, I mean, it's a great, I mean, one of the best consoles. And so I really got back into video game playing as like a, like what they call the hardcore. You're playing more than 30 hours a week or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, after I graduated. So I, there was like this whole period of video games that I just kind of missed. Um, and I've been slowly over the years going back and playing some legacy stuff. So 
to answer your question, if I had to pick something, even though it's not that old, a game that I really love that I think would be amazing in a remaster or a remake would be the original Bioshock. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. That is okay. a good one. Because I, I think that game absolutely stands up mm-hmm. as it is. And I know that they remastered it for the Bioshock collection that came out. Um, but I think that if they remade it, like completely redid it for a modern audience with updated control schemes and like really beautiful, like Unreal 5 graphics on these new consoles, like, oh, it could be really phenomenal. Hmm. And it would bring, I think, a whole new world of people into what I argue is one of the best games all time of all time and one of the most influential games ever created okay so shit we got bioshock we got jade empire and then we got mother three legend of zelda ocarina of time and final fantasy nine just a short list for me just a short list (laughs) yeah totally doable just make it happen industry making games is so easy i don't know what these lazy developers (laughs) are doing my god get off control save as (laughs) underscore new So cheap too. Like, what are they even complaining about? No. Like, it costs money or God. something. Anyway, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, including a hands-on from Summer Game Fest Play Days uh, with some B-roll of Rihanna and I Ooh. actually playing a video game. Everybody, uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we've been to. And guess what? We've got both this week. But before we do that, Brittany and I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash what's good games. We have an amazing group of people who support us at the level where you get a shout out on the show. And it's been one of our favorite things to do to call out all these wonderful people and see these names who have been supporting us, many of them since the beginning. And we've got some new names in this month as well. So this will be fun. Brittany, are you ready to read some names? I am so ready, Andrea. All right, let's do this. Fargo Brady. Ryan Soffel. Jake Finney. Nathaniel Edison. Bill Rosas. Tyler Adams. Erskine James. Casual Blasphemy. Trick 24. Sean Little. Omega 3. Jason Look. Jeffrey Rogers. Oh boy. Maroon Danoon. <laughs> Daniel Hall. <laughs> Eric Z. <laughs> Dracos 3442. Uh, mm, Chewie Scott's son. Mick Dananobiologist Abramson. Exis Auditors. Tara Bruno. Trent Barry. Sean I. Elizabeth Douglas. Brian R. Johnston. Justin Fashee. Patrick Landry. Punctified. Rob Leonard. Patrick Higgins. Kenneth Stimmel. Trent Pennington. Emily Kent. Ferris Akay. <laughs> Jessica Bloom. <laughs> Patrick Waller. Matthew Goddard. Noel Navarrez. <laughs> Chris Wang. Tyler McCall. Joe Wilson. Wow. Devin Nitz. <laughs> Adrian Rock Williams. Shai Jackson Burgess. Renat Burns. Giselle Passa. Gary Peck. Dale Sun. Robert F. Fremering. Carol Melny. <laughs> Marcus Ian Brown. Pete Shoemaker. Bill Stillwell. Teresa Hainat. Jason Dinez. Alex Rigopoulos. Andrew Cotton. David Akalucci. Elmo Shell. Gio Carsey. Molly Bittner. Azim here. Nicole Humphrey. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. And the one and only John Drake. 
Love you, sweetie. Last Thanks for supporting the show. I appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate all of you. So many of you have been with us and part of our Patreon community for a long time. So thank you so much for your continued support. And welcome to everybody who has just joined us. We are excited for you to be here. Now, shall we talk about some video games? What do you say? I say, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I love that we actually got to go hands-on with a game, and we didn't talk about it last week because last week's show was a very big show. And thank you again to Emily for coming by the studio. It was really fun to have her. Um, But Rihanna and I had the opportunity to sit down and play a co-op session of Warhammer 40K Darktide with Ryan and Destin from IGN. And it was a really fun opportunity. And thank you again to the folks at Tencent and Fat Shark for fitting us into their schedule. Um, when I saw that they were going to be doing some hands-on at the event, I was like, ooh, I've been wanting to play. Especially since, Britt, I know you have spent a little time in the Warhammer universe, but I really haven't played, like, any Warhammer. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of Vermintide. Dabbled in Vermintide 2 a bit, but Jason and I really liked Vermintide a lot. And so we have our eyes on Darktide, and I'm very excited to hear what you ladies thought. Well, Rihanna, before we dive in, just give me your kind of high-level impressions. Like when you left the demo session, you were like, Yay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like like the the shortest version of it. Yeah, I had a good time. That's short. I would say That's very short. <laughs> That's the short version. That was fun. I want to do more of that. Well, well, great. I mean, honestly, that's the best feedback I think anybody could get. I want to do more of that. So yeah. over at ign.com, Ryan McCaffrey writes, Warhammer 40k Dark Tide is actually coming out on September 13th, making it one of the few next-gen Xbox exclusives that Series X owners have to look forward to this fall. As such, it is quite likely to benefit from the extra attention from Xbox gamers starved for fresh content. He said it. We all were thinking of it. Uh, after playing through one of those Warhammer meets Left 4 Dead mashups, dozen four-play co-op missions, I'm pleased to report that Darktide looks to be both worthy of that attention and approachable to players both familiar with a new to Warhammer and anyone who's played Vermintide 2. So just to set the stage a little bit for what we played, the mission that we played took around 30 minutes to complete and was set in a tank factory. Though the developers at Fat Shark told us that most of the missions are set in different areas of the hive, allowing for plenty of environmental variety. The Fantasy Kiss steel mill look served the stage well thanks to the impressive texture detail, distinct player character models, and frame rate that held 60 on the PC build I played. Even (laughs) as hordes of monsters poured into the combat encounter. So Britt mentions that because Vermintide 2... We had some issues. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the reason why we couldn't play it is because we got way too dizzy. You would turn and it'd be like chug, 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 chug. And as you ladies know, in that kind of game, you need to be able to turn on a dime smoothly and seamlessly. But we both got very, very dizzy and kind of nauseous from it. So we had to sadly stop. So that is like the best news. And that was like literally my number one question. So woohoo! So we got yeah. to record some footage and... Full disclaimer from both myself and Rihanna, we were playing on mouse and keyboard or as KBM as Destin called it. We were like, oh, we're not Mm. one of the cool kids that calls it KBM. And so Rihanna bravely volunteered to have her footage recorded. And so we have some gameplay that was provided to us by the team at Fat Shark. So I'm going to show that to you guys right now. And it looked good. 
it, it looks played great. really smooth. It was really fun. Um, obviously, whenever you approach a demo situation when you're playing a game pre-release like this, you takes a little bit of time to get used to the control scheme and what your character abilities can do. And the class that I sat down at, and like mm. I didn't intentionally pick this class, but I got to play as the new class, the Psyker, which the devs were like, oh yeah, that's the hardest class to learn. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. No problem. But it was an interesting class because I had this ability to essentially use this energy. But if I don't discharge the energy periodically, it can build up and then make me explode. <laughs> so I, so that. I, I can read off the, the four classes that the four of us played as really quickly. Uh, and I think what we're seeing now is after I maybe passed away, um, <laughs> one of the other characters that I did not play as. But first we have the Zealot, which is an inquisitorial archetype, or sorry, acolyte type with a bowl cut, a power hammer, and a scroll down their front. This is from wargamer.com. Um, the veteran who I originally started playing as uh, is an Imperial Guard Stormtrooper with gas mask and a laser gun. Uh, that was a sniper class. Um, the Ogrin, which is toting a massive slug gun and a cutlass, that is a pretty badass sword that was really fun to watch. And then, as Andrea said, the Psyker is described as a hooded, warp-powered Psyker who needs no equipment. Their mind is their weapon. And oh. it sounds like maybe even your weapon against yourself sometimes when you accidentally <laughs> blow yourself up. So I that think what better. we're seeing right now, and uh, you can check this out at youtube.com slash what's it games, uh, is the gameplay of the zealot who has a big, huge power hammer, which is a great melee weapon. And if you're not familiar with Warhammer Darktide or Warhammer in general, lots of melee opportunities because you are constantly assaulted by many, many enemies. And Brittany, again, it did not chug. It did not get held up. It did not start Yay. like giving us vertigo or cutting or lagging or anything like that. And there were many, many enemies on the screen most of the time. Oh, that makes me so happy. I So it sounds like this is mostly wave based are you trying to go from like point a to point b like how is, okay 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 okay. yeah so so you're going from point a to point b you have many objectives along the way and of course you know a couple of moments where you can stop catch your breath you can put down health packs for ammo packs for your other teammates depending on what you have collected throughout your journey if you've been looting correctly um or they have like little health stations or little ammo stations along the way you could fill up because you will absolutely run out of health and you'll absolutely run out of ammo mm -hmm. uh which is why melee becomes so so crucial um and with the hammer and then obviously the cutlass and maybe just exploding yourself one to people but <laughs> what, what's really great about the what we played at least is, is the pacing and andrea i'd be curious to hear how you felt it was i of course as i said maybe passed away however i did feel <laughs> like it was really great in the pacing of i Felt like I had enough time to figure out what I wanted to do in each section of our map and of our progress. I had opportunities to use my sniper. I had opportunities to get up close and melee. I had opportunities to help pick people up or help heal people. Maybe somebody helped me pick me up once or twice too. Um, but it did feel like I got to use sort of every part of the combat design in each mini encounter. And it did feel like a complete experience, even though I maybe wasn't as successful as other people. Um, I think the interesting part about our gameplay experience that I thought I, I wish that 
was a little different was the revive process for you. So after Ree's character went down, I mean, you have an ability, you have the option, I think, to do like a quick revive. But if you fail at that, then they go into like a, a downed butt out or no, like a full like out state. But you can, we can come back and save you and like essentially like bring you back at a different part of the level. But then we have to get to that part of the level without that person and it just takes a little bit longer because there's a lot of enemies as you guys saw in some of this b-roll so i i do like the kind of way that you described it as being this kind of complete experience i'd like the the mission and the level design felt really good we did get lost at one point of the map <laughs> and the dev had to come over and be like you guys are going the wrong way um because obviously, you know, having not spent any time with this demo, we weren't familiar with the map or the location at all. Um, and these hordes, which you're seeing on screen, just can overwhelm you at any point. And so when we were playing, the devs made sure to say to us, like, hey, like, you guys really need to stick together. Um, if somebody attempts to, like, become, like, a lone wolf or tries to go out on their own, like, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're not going to be able to fight them off um, by yourself, which I think is you know, a really important thing to remember when you're playing a co-op mm -hmm. game. Because I think sometimes when we're playing co-op with our friends in a, in a wave-based game like this is that you're like, ah, oh, I'll be fine. Um, but even Ryan, who was playing the Ogren, the tank character, who Brittany, yeah. I think you will love, yeah. <laughs> um, easily got swarmed and overwhelmed and couldn't, you can see him there in the, in the, in the front. I think this is Destin's gameplay, maybe. I think so. Uh, that was, that we're seeing, um, which is totally fine because like, let's, let's be clear. <laughs> like, he was the most <laughs> experienced of all of us that were playing this, the, this demo. Um, but it was really interesting kind of seeing how our abilities work together and we were just kind of getting the hang of it towards the end of the demo, but it was a lot of fun. And there was a nice mix of gameplay that felt like Rihanna was saying, like that was like melee focus and up close when you're really like surrounded by these hordes. And then I had an ability um, with essentially like, with like a staff. It almost felt like a wizard staff where Ooh. I could shoot projectiles of this like psych energy that I have that made it a nice like ranged. So it was like a magic ranged character essentially, which is like almost all the characters that I play when I play these types of games, which <laughs> I, I love. Say. But then. You know, you get, you're a little bit like glass cannony in some ways, ah. and so you have to really be kind of be careful about managing your energy load and when you're going to use it. Because what's cool is this energy that you're building up. Um, and there wasn't a capture station on my character, which is why I can't show any of that gameplay to you guys. But um, the energy you're building up, you can discharge it, and it kind of sends out like a shockwave explosion, which is really good when you're surrounded by like these hordes of enemy enemies. But as I mentioned, if you don't manage that meter, <laughs> you can go boom boom, and that's so. <laughs> how often did you go boom boom? I didn't actually. Okay, okay. So you were good um, at the meter. Yeah. So the thing I want to you know also remind people that you know, maybe aren't watching or just listening on the podcast. Um, and you don't necessarily see it on the gameplay that we're showing you guys here, but on my gameplay, there is like a very much a visual aura effect that happens in the HUD that reminds you like, hey, like you are approaching critical energy levels. Like if you don't discharge this energy, like you will, like something bad is going to happen. <laughs> um, almost like when you're really low health in some games, you know, the you get like a red splatter or a red like, um, like, on an aura that goes around the outside of the screen to be like, yo, you're dying. Did you not <laughs> notice that you're fucking dying? Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of like that. But 
once he told me like, hey, you have to manage this meter, I just made it part of, you know, me managing the HUD. But I can see how you could forget to manage it when you get overwhelmed with enemies. You just stop noticing. So yeah. it sounds like there's no real – going back to what something you were saying earlier, because I'm thinking about some of my, like, qualms with the earlier games. It sounds like there's no real directional anything. You don't really know where you're supposed to go. And and is it – are you chasing hordes? Because if you find a, a horde, does that mean you're on the right track? Or do the hordes respawn? Do you no, know? No, there's definitely, like, markers in the okay. levels to, like, where to go. But I think – you know, the way that the map looks versus how you traverse through the level is always going to be a little bit different. Like, there's very few video games, I think, that have, like, a one-to-one, you know, like, oh, the map is very clear about where you're supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think also with the verticality of this mine level that we're in, um, it was kind of sometimes just tough to know, like, where we're supposed to go. So we kind of, like, retreaded a little bit. But... Um, it was, we definitely knew like what we were supposed to be doing in the level. Uh, it just was a little, you know, we got lost sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and did they, show, did they show you um, like a central hub, like where you would go after each level? Or was it like you played no. the level and that's it? Oh, okay. No, we didn't really get to spend any time in, in there. Um, but I think that's just because we had such a short demo and they just really wanted to showcase some of the combat with these yeah, characters yeah. and how the co-op played together, which... I absolutely understand, um, and that's fine. That uh, looks fun. We'll see more of this game. Um, obviously, it got delayed. It was originally supposed to be coming out last year, and now they said that they're locked for for the September. I think that it's going to be fun. I'm excited to to play more of it, and I'm definitely excited to play more of it with a controller. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm actually really excited to see some more of the depth of gameplay and of the customization, uh, something that we heard from one of the devs after our time hands-on. Um, and this is, of course, all subject to change as you know they're in the final mm -hmm. stages of, of figuring out uh, the full release set of features. Um, but you can move guns between different characters. Like You're not necessarily locked into any one particular type of weapons loadout as the class type. And you can put different attributes on different weapons to make them a little bit different. Like, let's say I really like my laser gun, but I want to use it up close. Maybe I take the side off and put something else like that'll make it a bit more of a spread on it because I just like the the, the fire pattern. That there, mm -hmm. there seems to be a, a huge focus on customization and making that character feel like yours. And there isn't necessarily a requirement to run through with, you know, one of each character class. You can maybe run with all four ogres if you're really feeling super frisky and, <laughs> and you want to just go in and swing a bunch of hammers around. So there's definitely a lot of room for making it feel like your own and, and really making it fit your play style, which is super encouraging and um, obviously will encourage that repeated play of going back and unlocking a new attachment or unlocking a new attribute for a weapon that you really, really love and figuring out how you want to make that suit your next play style run and, and truly customizing your character to the way you want to play. And to your question about are there enemies that spawn behind you, it seemed like yes, but less frequently. And my character class actually had a, a secondary power where I can shoot out a scan and see where any enemies are and, you know, ah. however much of a radius and all of the um, co-op players can also see that scan. And it's definitely a good way to figure out where you need to go because you'll see the enemies grouped in your next objective. 
So it, it, it does communicate it to you a little bit with how many enemies are spawning. But if you're taking a little bit of time and dragging, they'll maybe throw a couple at you to like say, I mean, I definitely felt like I got overwhelmed with enemies from all sides. You can kind of tell from some of the B-roll that we're showing again at youtube.com slash what's good games. Um, thanks again to our pals, Ryan and Dustin for playing with us um, and kind of carrying us a little bit. Um, <laughs> that, you know, the, the design of this level is like there's kind of hordes coming from all directions. And one of the things I didn't mention about the character that I was playing is I have this really fun special that is great for some of the shielded or heavily armored enemies that allows me to, not me, but the character, to kind of use some of the this energy that you have where I can essentially make, I can like go into this like animation where I, I can make their head explode. Uh, which is really helpful when you <laughs> have armored enemies that you can't like hit with like a sword or with with bullets. Um, but the animation is slow, so it makes me very vulnerable. But it's really powerful when I can you know actually execute it. Um, I wish I had, I wish I had B roll of it, but I don't. Um, that's my character there running in the world. I wonder if we can maybe I can. Um, yeah, I guess I don't really. We didn't really slow down to like take take the bureau of what the characters all look like. We were just like, go shoot and kill the things. It was yeah. kind of impossible to take a second, honestly. The combat looks really fun. Like I'm eyeing this huge ass hammer and I just want to swing that bitch. <laughs> yeah, but you see this enemy that he was just fighting with yeah. this giant shield. So yeah. I eventually took this guy down by making his head explode from a distance. <laughs> Because you can see, like, uh, hitting him straight on with the hammer is not really successful because yeah. he's got a big old shield. Um, mm. But it's really an interesting, like, set of diverse enemies all coming at you with different kinds of weapons, both with guns and with melee. And it was fun. It was just, like, a lot of fun to play. Mm. And I was really sad when they were like, all right, your time is up. And we were like, no. <laughs> we did get to the end, though. We did technically finish it even though i was imprisoned and waiting for my rescue Aww. yes i'm sorry we tried to get you, there i wish that they would have just like i know that it's like part of the gameplay experience but i was like we're doing a press demo can give you give us god like mode yes exactly come in with your god mode developer magic key or whatever and let her just like be in like no jail mode or whatever. I was yeah, just no. hanging out with my captors, like, you know, hey, what's up? You, you <laughs> there was just two, these two dudes that were, like, guarding her, and she was like, be careful, there's some guys, and we were like, did you get to see the hundred dudes that we just took down? Like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> like, a hundred people chasing us. Meanwhile, she's like, but there's two here. I, I appreciated the warning, though. Yeah, it was... You know, cons consider it. Just of making you. sure you can handle it. You know, those two yes. randos <laughs> just watching me on my knees. <laughs> it's important, though. Important. You get paid for that, Ree. Unfortunately, hey. no. Hey. So I just, I just was able to get the other file um, pulled up here, and I want to just check and see if this is your footage. I think it is. Mm. Let me see. I think this is you. Isn't this you? Uh, I had sort of like a, a sword gun, like a yeah, chainsaw that looks like gun. That. Yeah, and yeah. I could I could like rev it up, you know, Gears of War style, and like chainsaw somebody. Oh my or god, that is so sniper. many enemies. Sorry. It's a right? lot. <laughs> it's a too lot. many enemies. <laughs> Did they say um, that scales depending on the amount of players you have, or is it like you have to play with a party of four with AI? There's know. the chainsaw. Oh, that was yeah. sick. 
Um, you know, I think we asked them, but I don't remember if I actually wrote it down That's like a good okay. journalist or not. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, okay. No, girl. I'm just keeping the um, combo flowing like a river. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think the gameplay that we were just showing you guys was, in fact, not Destin's gameplay, but was like developer gameplay. And this is the actual footage of us playing together. Of course, that was too good to be Destin. Destin. I mean, oh, we gave on. him a lot of credit, though. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> I believe he could be that good. Is that is that? <laughs> there you go. What the fuck is so that? This is, this is showing you a health revive station oh, where you can, you wow. know, refill. This is one of those rare respites in, in the pacing. And, and as I was saying, you do get a couple, but they don't last long, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, and don't worry, there is no friendly fire. That was the first thing that I was like, um, <laughs> excuse me, um, we're shooting each other a lot. There's no friendly fire, right? And they're like, no. They're like, we contemplated it for some of the higher difficulties, but we were like, this feels like with the chaos of the mobs that come through, they were like, that just feels like not fun. Yeah. And I was like, you were mm -hmm. right. It isn't fun. Friendly fire is literally never fun in any game. Developers, stop making it a thing. <laughs> yes, thank you. Just don't do it. <gasps> just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. So, um, but yeah, this is Re running around with her weird, My weird sword gun chainsaw thing. gun. <laughs> Wow. That's great. That's great. That is a cool gun. It was pretty fun. And uh, again, super smooth. Looks great. Re really responsive. I am really looking forward to playing again. Sweet. Looks like a nice little adrenaline boost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so thank you again to Fat Shark and to Tencent uh, Level Infinite, I should say, for letting us play. And um, we'll hopefully all be able to to play again uh, in a couple of months when the game comes out. So um, another game that we've been playing, and it looks like all of us have played at least a little bit of it. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Is, um, is Diablo Immortal. So this is a game that was very poo-pooed when it was announced <laughs> at BlizzCon. I think y'all remember <laughs> when that very uncouth and rude person got up at the Q&A and was just like... Yeah. Hey, this game sucks or whatever he said. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, when Diablo Mortal was announced as a mobile game, Blizzard fans were mad. But this game is pretty good, I think. And now I haven't played to where I've really hit the paywalls because it's clear that there's a lot of microtransactions built into this game, which I think people have capital O opinions about, which is fair. <laughs> um, Very fair. And I have always been of the mind that if they are not intrusive and are cosmetics based, then, you know, it's fine for them to keep making money. But I also would rather just pay money for a game and not have roadblocks from a bazillion different kinds of economies that are built in to try to milk me for money all along the way. Now, I haven't gotten to that point in Diablo yet. Have either of you? Oh, no, I, I have did not. Get not. I also, speaking of that saw an article that said Diablo Immortal has earned 24 was it 24 million dollars in two weeks good for them and yeah that's not bad. shabby not not bad you know god that's a I, I strive for what's good to make 24 million in two weeks um, <laughs> the, dream. the dream the dream yeah no I haven't um I mean I'm with you I think you know not to kick a dead horse I was never really poo-pooey on Diablo Immortal I think where that whole thing went south was the way it was announced especially when everyone was clearly looking forward to Diablo 4 but um, I've always been looking forward to it you know I love Diablo and I think you know mobile is a good fit for that <laughs> that genre that game if you will and so yeah. we started playing it uh, when we were in Maui on our vacation a couple weeks back 
I couldn't get it to work on my iPad for some reason, so we're playing it on our iPhones. And like the two of you, I'm not at a point yet where I'm like, oh, I need to start paying for this. I mean, so far, I've been having you know a really good time. It feels like a very obviously simplified version of Diablo. It has all of the elements that you'd expect. I mean, you have your loot, you have your upgrading, um, you have your, oh, what's it called? When you take your your gear and you break it down to the blacksmith and you get gear, for, you get crafting. Thank you, crafting. You get all, you have all that, <laughs> my brain. You have all, you have all the things and you have all the fun abilities. I'm playing it as a barbarian, so I have my cool little whirly-do attack that I love so much. Um, I think the voice acting in it is great. I think the story in it is, is fun and engaging like I really have nothing negative to say about it right now obviously if this game was on if this was Diablo 4 that'd be a different story but because it is a mobile game I think I have the proper expectations and so far you know I haven't really been disappointed um that said I haven't played in a week or so just because you know I try to stay off my phone as much as possible but um yeah you know it, it's it's been a fun time and I and I have really no complaints with it we actually um bought some dongles so we can play it on our TVs with with our Xbox controllers. And despite like the little bit, like half second leg, it, it worked really well. And we had a lot of fun playing it that way. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I've seen a lot of mixed opinions on this. Obviously, I think, Rhi, you have some different opinions than what Andre and I have. So I'm really, I'm excited to hear what you think. Yeah, I think it's wonderful that people enjoy Diablo Immortal. Um, oh, cut the bullshit, baby girl. Come <laughs> oh, on. Oh, she's got some shade. Come on. Bring I'm it. I'm sorry. I have to throw some no, shade. Don't be I, sorry. I have a one and a half year old phone. It's a Samsung, what is it? S20 Galaxy, what have you. Um, I thought I had plenty of space on my phone. Diablo Immortal would like to differ. Um oh. I tried installing it, had to delete lots of things, including even like some wedding videos, which of course oh, I backed shit. up to the cloud okay, first. Okay, okay. They aren't lost. Um, but I had to move a lot of stuff to make room for the base game. I booted up the game, went through the tutorial, which took time, uh, created my character, which was fun, and then started trying to figure out how to play with our friends. And it told me I did not have all of the content downloaded yet. And then it also told me that I had to restart the entire experience on the server that they were playing on. Yeah. And I had lost all of that time and energy and, you know, game playing effort and had to start from zero. I immediately deleted it off my phone. It became very clear that this experience would take away my ability to use my phone for the things I need to do, which is recording things, yeah. sharing things, all of the things that I do on my phone. And I edit on my phone as well. Um, so it just wasn't a good user experience. And then the fact that I did not know I needed to be on the same server as my friends before mm -hmm. I started Huge, huge roadblock for me. There should me. be a That's big old disclaimer. The right biggest there. flag like, ever. You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, it could have been saved hours. Us was I, yeah, I'm with you that it shouldn't be hidden how much space it's going to take. I mean, at least it's a free game, and it's not like you spent money to to pay to put it on your game on your phone only to be like, whoa, I can't keep this on my phone it's way too large mm -hmm. um for people who are like how big is the game um on android devices it's 2.4 gigabytes required to download and install the base game plus an additional 10 gigabytes is needed for patching post installation mm. so that i didn't realize was that many gigs and it's this could probably just be me having paid for a giant phone because I record so much stuff for my job, but you are representing the vast majority of people who are like, I don't use my phone to 
play video games. I don't need a ton of space. And most video games on phones are, you know, a couple hundred megabytes at most. Um, for reference, the on iOS devices, it's 3.3 gigs required to download the base game. So bigger, but it's 9.5 for patching post-installation. So they're essentially the same size. Um, but I also didn't realize it was going to be, what, 12.8 gigabytes that's on my phone? That's, yeah. It's a lot of that's family a lot of That's a lot of space. Yeah, that was a no for me. And having put, I think it was like an hour and a half, like not a ton of time. Um, having put an hour and a half in and it was like you have to start over in order to play with their friends. And also anything that I had also already redeemed on that account, on that server oh, yeah. was burned. That's Meaning right. like all of the customizations that I had unlocked because no. of whatever account um, were completely gone and only tied to that first server. I was out. It, it just made it too hard to play for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you. you. There's nothing wrong. You can have that opinion, of yeah. course. I think that it's something that we as gamers are having to reckon with. Like, I complained very loudly and still do about the puny hard drive size of the PlayStation 5 and how I constantly have to delete stuff off of it. Did I actually buy an SSD to install? Sure did. Have I sat down to watch a video about how to install it? Nope. Is it still in the box? Yep, I'll get to it eventually. (laughs) But I shouldn't also have to buy an external hard drive to install aftermarket into my $600 console to play games without having to delete them. You know, it's it's a frustration. These companies are hurting for money, okay? (laughs) They have to cut corners. Mm. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they're never going to stay afloat, okay? So I'd ask you to have this conversation with some empathy, in your heart. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm sorry, Brittany. I didn't stop to think about the corporation's profitability. Um, well, you that's should. my bad. You should, That's Andrea. my bad. Okay. They call you the shill for a reason, right? <laughs> think of the Wait, bonuses. What have I become? <laughs> what have I become? <laughs> like, I think I'm going to have to, like, hang up my shillionaire outfit. Like, <laughs> who is going to do it now? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but now I'm with you. Like, listen, like it's 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 a fun thing, but honestly, after we saw that Diablo four footage, mm. I was like, okay, like this is this Diablo Immortal feels like it's gonna be four play that lasts forever and it never crescendos. You know, it's just gonna be like, okay, we're just gonna do this forever and ever. It's the appetizer course where you're waiting for the main meal, but it lasts. And then for the main meal just keeps getting delayed because yes. the kitchen keeps making mistakes, and you're like, can you just like. Like put put the meal on the table. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. And I I'm feel hungry. like that's that's it. And I, so I, you know, it kind of turned. Honestly, it turned me off a little <laughs> bit from it. So there it sits on my phone, and I probably should un- uninstall it because that's a lot of gigs it's taking up. But yeah, I mean, so far, like I have nothing too negative to say about it. Obviously, read that experience you have like sucks, and I probably would have rage quit too. But it's been really fascinating <laughs> to see the different opinions. Some people are like, "Oh, it's so good, I can't believe it's free," and other people are like, "Ah, oh, it's a money grab." Ah, oh. opinions. My thing, again, it's not, so far it hasn't been egregious and again, it's free. So you literally lose nothing by trying it except for hard drive space. Um, And like, if you hate it, uninstall it. Boom. You didn't lose anything. Yeah. You know, that's it. I feel great. (laughs) Cleansed. (laughs) I feel ready for Diablo Four. There you go. (laughs) I think we all, I think we all are 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 hoping and waiting. Um, But we. I have more stuff to talk about, but I think we're going to talk about it next week, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. 
Cool. Well, thanks everybody for hanging out and checking out some video games with us. It's been a, a Final Fantasy kind of week. Oh, <laughs> God, I got it. Makes me want to go play Intergrade. I never finished that, dude. I haven't played it either. That's a really good good observation in your in your life, right. Andrew and I. Yeah, I need to do that. Whoops. Listen, yeah, it's been a busy let's year. Do it. It kind of turns out that we were managing brand new human beings when Intergrade came out. Mm. Oh, is that what happened? It came out in June of last year. Oh, LOL. I remember nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was kind of a blur of, you know, like nipples and diapers. Nipples and milk everywhere. Waking up every two hours. Shit everywhere. Piss everywhere. Oh, it was great. All the fluids. All, all the yes. fluids, mm-hmm. yes, from every hole all in our fluids. bodies, in our baby's mm. bodies. It was great. <laughs> in case you want to know what new motherhood is like, oh, fluids. Fluids. All <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Just leakage everywhere. <laughs> I, leakage is a very kind way of putting it. Mostly exploding fluids. Exploding really. gushage. <laughs> mm. If only if it was a gentle leak. A gentle no. drip. Like an annoying faucet that needs to be tightened. Oh, no. Okay, well, this has been got this has gotten to, to a TMI area. Sorry, everybody. This is not how we intended to end the show, but here we are. Um, all right, y'all. We will be back next week. Thanks for hanging out. Have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.